by Gods and Kings takes place in the world of Dunai and is based on the tabletop RPG. For more information on the tabletop RPG or for more information on the world of Dunai, please visit our website www.bygodsandkings.com. Chapter 15 The Meadow Overlooking Dunai Her eyes sprung open as she let out a loud gasp. She reached up and grabbed her throat, expecting to feel the vine constricting around her. Retrialis's heart raced as she tried to catch her breath. She glanced around the area, thinking she was going to see the vines that were coming after her, but instead saw a lush meadow with several peaceful plants dangling from columns and arches. Several stone buildings could be seen in the distance with a large sun bathing the area in a warm ambience. I wasn't expecting to see you so soon, announced a familiar voice. Vertrialis looked up and turned her head to see, sitting on a stone bench, the former high priest. Tanchik Gertron sat with his legs crossed while smoking a wooden pipe and appearing to be in a state of absolute peace. Smoke emerged from the tip of his pipe as he tried his best to suppress a coy, if not joyful, grin. It was quite convenient that you were able to activate that portal. I'd hate for your visit here to be permanent. Vitrialis exhaled slowly. So I'm not dead. Tantric laughed and shook his head emphatically. Far from it, he affirmed. It's not time for you to take your place by the side of our god. Vitrialis exhaled slowly again, still coming to terms with her survival and her new surroundings. She had briefly accepted that she was dead, only for Tandrick to inform her that she was still very much alive. Her emotions were straddling both ends of acceptability. Then what happened? She questioned, still pondering the resiliency of her mortality. Tandrick shrugged his shoulders nonchalantly. I was hoping you could tell me, he replied. She breathed in the smell of sweet flowers from the meadows of Laurel while trying her best to remember every detail. It's a little bit hazy, but I'm pretty sure Drusilla Whisperleaf tried to kill me. Tantric laughed loudly and clapped his hands. I knew that part, but how did she manage to get the best of you? He asked loudly. You were the high priest and you had the staff of Phalaris. How did she almost kill you? Vitrialis took a moment and thought back to what happened. The blacksmith from Daroke hit me in the back of the head with a rock and it made me drop the staff, she said softly. I was blindsided and I let go of my weapon. Tantric nodded and stood up from the stone bench. He walked over and extended his hand to help Vitrialis up off of the ground. I never trusted Drusilla Whisperleaf, but I also rarely trusted blacksmiths either, joked Tandrick, prompting a look of scorn from Vertrialis. Come, let me show you something, announced Tandrick joyfully as he tried his best to break the awkward tension. You're going to learn an awful lot from this, and maybe, just maybe, you'll be impressed too. Tandrick smiled and led Vertrialis away from the small courtyard with the arches and down a cobblestone path. Tall trees and lush gardens lined both sides of the path. Vibrant flowers grabbed Vitrialis's eyes as she moved behind Tandrick, and the fragrance from the gardens were enchanting. I'm sure by now, Vitrialis, you realize where you are, stated Tandrick from in front of her. Yes, I believe this to be Lorel, she answered. It's quite stunning. Tandrick turned and walked backwards as Vitrialis took in the scenery. It really is a sight to behold, he said emphatically, trying his best to suppress his smile while also not falling backwards. Had I had it my way, I would have stayed here and only gone to Telerifel when I was summoned, but alas, Bessie would have never allowed that. But we are allowed to be here, inquired Vertrialis curiously, having never been to another realm before. Oh, absolutely, it's one of the benefits of being a high priest. While we are still bound to Dunai, we are allowed to travel freely between the realm of our god and Dunai. We just can't stay, clarified Tandrick. He turned back around and pointed forward. We're almost there, he said jovially. At the end of the path were three small, reflecting pools. Surrounding the pools were several men and women, most of them prominent figures in history who followed Phalaris devoutly. These are the reflecting pools of Lorel, and they will display what is currently happening in Dunai for us, informed Tendrick as he motioned toward the small bodies of water. We spend our days here watching what is happening in the Master Realm. We can see anything and everything from these pools. There are no secrets that are kept from us. 
That's somewhat voyeuristic, Tandrick, quipped Vitrialis coyly. I suppose privacy is not your concern. Tantric chuckled and shook his head softly. It is not our concern, he laughed. At any rate, we are able to see what is actually occurring on Dunite, and it allows us to advise Phalaris on how to proceed and act. He stepped over to the first pool and waved his hand over it. Vitrialis peered over the ledge and glanced over to see several men building a large structure off the banks of a river. This is something we've been keeping an eye on for some time. Well, at least those who have been here, began Tantric as he pointed to the water. This is the city of Sunshire, a haven for those who follow the goddess of shadow. I'm aware of how foul the city on the Sariac is, Tandric, interrupted Vitrialis. Why does it matter? The Dorvos are always scheming. Tandric nodded but pointed down at the building. There is something about that structure that we don't quite understand, he began. Tandric licked his lips and cleared his throat while the others around the pool kept watch. The workers toiled away at the building, constructing it from the base and reinforcing the wooden structure with bolts, beams, and other devices. As they watched for a few moments, a blonde-haired woman wearing heavy armor and the crest of Darien emerged into the image. There, that is what we don't understand, he said while placing his finger on the pool. Virtualis tilted her head slightly at the sight before her eyes. Is that Chalice? she inquired, referencing the god-touch servant of Darien. Tandrick nodded slowly as a second person clad in the regalia of Darien emerged. This time, an older man carrying a large shield in his back and a sword in his waist. And there is Warnier, which means the Order of Darien is carrying out something in Sunshire. Darien and Saeria are allies. This is probably not something we should overly concern ourselves with, stated Vitrialis. She turned toward Tandrick when several men on the other side of the courtyard gasped. What's going on over there? inquired Vitrialis as she shifted her attention over to them. Brile, shouted one of the men. Brile is being drugged into the depths of the sea. Vitrialis turned back to her reflecting pool to see the wooden structure of Sunshire glowing through the windows, a bright, vibrant white. What's going on? muttered Vitrialis before turning her attention to the others. Someone go get Phalaris. He has to see this, shouted the first man. See what? inquired Phalaris as he entered the courtyard, having only been a few feet away. Panic overtook the man as he approached Phalaris and kneeled. My lord, Brile is under attack. Phalaris scoffed. Brile is not my concern, nor should it be yours, chastised Phalaris. The god of Flora stood still in the courtyard while his followers all appeared in fear, concerned over the city on the sea that was the seat of power to Malaris. Phalaris took a step away and looked into one of the other pools, ignoring what was happening in Brile and instead focusing on the Grove Astralius. Quite impressive, Drusilla, he smirked. Vitrialis stood still and watched the Naga ransack the city of Brile, with the priests and followers of Malaris powerless to stop them. Purple energy filled the air, all in an attempt to fight off the serpent-like humanoids, but it was to no avail. The Naga were too many. The spears, tridents, blades, and other weapons of the Naga pierced through the armor of the soldiers, leaving little defense to the city. The buildings were being destroyed by catapults and other siege weapons while the citizens of Brawl tried to find cover. Leave them alive, shouted a man from the back of a pier, commanding the Naga to spare the citizens of Brawl. Leave them alive, questioned Vitrialis as she watched the carnage continue. Why wouldn't they want them to perish? Tandrick stood beside Vitrialis and locked his eyes on the pool. Brawl was shifting away from the rocks along the continent. A sizable canyon was being created with Brawl slowly falling into the sea. I think they want them all to drown, inserted Tandrick calmly. Vitrialis turned to face the former high priest. But why? she asked innocently. Isn't the ending the same whether they're impaled or drowned? Tandrick nodded slowly before tilting his head in confusion. I think there is something else at play here. Suddenly, from the other pool that was viewing Sunshire, a bright white light shot up from the pool and illuminated the area around it. The men and women surrounding the pool were tossed backwards by the illumination and Vitrialis and Tandrick were both drawn toward it. The water in the pool was bubbling with the two approaching quickly to examine its contents. 
Several brilliant lights were coming from the stockade, as well as the area to the east of Sunshire toward Wurz. Something's happening, muttered Tandrick as he continued to examine the pools. Could what's happening in Brile and what's happening in Sunshire be linked? asked Vitrialis. I'd wager a guess that they are, responded Tandrick softly. I've never seen something on this scale. Valorous walked up behind Vitrialis and Tandrick and gazed into the pool with them. Perhaps I should have cared about Brile, he muttered while examining what was happening in Sunshire. Valorous closed his eyes as the wind swirled around the area. He breathed slowly, taking in the warm air of his realm while his followers all scurried around him. Vitrialis remained perfectly still while Tandrick joined the other's deceased followers, trying to fathom what was happening on Dunai. I have to go, muttered the god of Flora. Vitrialis stepped forward and locked eyes with her god. You have to go, she inquired. Valorous nodded slowly. Vesia has summoned all the gods to Eden. The priest still scurried around with Vitrialis tilting her head in confusion. Eden, she questioned softly. Isn't that where it all began and where it all continues, finished Valorous mysteriously. He sighed loudly and glanced back at his followers, who were no longer concerned that he was in the courtyard and were instead panicking at the scenes before them. Come on, I'll show you how to get back to Telerafel, insisted Falaris while motioning for Vitrialis to follow him. Without a hint of question, Vitrialis followed the god of Flora down a pathway beside the courtyard that was void of anyone else. For several feet, the two walked in silence, with both of them pondering what was happening and what was to come. Vitrialis was now confirmed as the high priest of Falaris's order. However, she still had a very large problem to sort out. Drusilla Whisperleaf had gone rogue and opted to serve Phalaris from the Grove Astralius. Phalaris furled his brow with each step along the cobblestone path, pondering what was to come of Dunai now that Xylene had truly shown what raw power he possessed. At the end of the walkway were several archways that led to different points in Dunai. Each one was covered in ivy and foliage, though one was a bit more prominent than the rest. I suppose that is the one to Eden, asked Vertrialis as she eyed the massive archway that rested behind the others. It is, answered Phalaris slowly. I rather hate walking through there. Vertrialis nodded slowly, though she was curious as to where Phalaris was truly going. Where is Eden? she asked innocently. Phalaris laughed and shook his head slowly. It's near impossible to be found by man. Vertrialis's curiosity was piqued by Phalaris's mysterious response. Near. Phalaris closed his eyes and nodded his head. Even the land of Dragonkin can be stumbled upon by a fishing boat if they get too far lost. Eden is not as remote as I had hoped. If a man were to find Eden, and if that man were to act in a specific and predetermined manner, then that man could destroy Dunai, stated Phalaris ominously. Eden is where the twine rests that binds Dunai together. If something tragic were to happen there, then Vesia's dominion could be disrupted and terror could be summoned. That's quite terrifying, quipped Vitrialis. I suppose I'll need to insist to all the fishermen of Dunai not to get too terribly lost. Xylene's soldiers typically handle them before they are. He's been quite adept at keeping Eden safe since the dawn of time, but now I wonder if Dunai's days of safety and prosperity are numbered, continued Phalaris. He sighed loudly as he took a step away from Vitrialis and toward the large archway. That small arch to your right will take you to the high priest chambers in Telerafel. Once you are there, see to it that Telerafel can thrive again. I will, answered Vitrialis. But what of Drusilla? Am I not to return to the Grove Astralius? Valorous turned and stared blankly at his high priest. I would keep your distance from there. Leave Drusilla alone for now. The Grove Astralius can become a haven for my followers, though I am curious as to how long that will be the case. Are you worried about Evelis? inquired Vitrialis coyly. I am not worried about Vesia's champion currently. The way I see it, Evelis Mertron will have far more pressing matters to deal with than Drusilla Whisperleaf. Vitrialis hung her head and nodded solemnly. I understand, she replied, thinking about the chaos that was going on in Dunai. Where was he when Bra was being submerged? She asked Valorous, prompting an immediate scoff from the god of Flora. 
I do well to keep up with my god-touched servants. I cannot keep up with Vessius as well, remarked Phalaris as he turned away and went up the small set of stairs to the arch. Phalaris paused in front of the arch and turned around to see Vertrialis still looking up at him. He exhaled solemnly and smiled. If I had to make a wager, I'd say that Evelus was lured far away from Bryle. Xylene and his followers are aware of just how powerful he is and how he could have stopped this. Elise, his sister, who is just as powerful as Evelus, was probably locked in the palace of Malarus. It was a perfect plan, and I'm sure Vessia wants to discuss it. The arch ignited and the portal opened. Valorous turned back around to face the magic and took a step through. He left Lorel and headed to Eden, leaving Vertrialis alone in the courtyard with the other archways. She closed her eyes and took in her final breath of the warm air. She knew she would be back, whether in life or in death. She was the high priest now, which guaranteed her a spot at Valorous's side for eternity. Vitrialis held her hand out in front of the archway and ignited the portal to Telerafel. Without waiting, she stepped through and entered her chambers, noticing something waiting for her in the center of the room. Vitrialis walked down the small set of stairs into her chamber and took a knee in front of a small, open box. Inside, two gold bracelets with emeralds adorned all around it was sitting perfectly in the center. Beside the box was a piece of parchment with golden letters. Because I knew she would take the staff, I needed to give you something to amplify your powers so that you can defend my order from those who wish to bring it harm. Good luck, Vitrialis. From Phalaris. Epilogue. The Rage of the Blacksmith. Tersh could not remove her eyes from the sight of her son and his crushed body. Her eyes were void of any tears because she had already cried them all out. His life was gone and his essence had already made it to Vesia. Her son was killed and she was filled with questions about how he was taken from her and how he was killed. She was angry with Talgis, knowing that her son was abducted by his priests and fed to his harpies, but the state of his body gave her pause. He wasn't covered in fatal slash marks or cuts. He appeared to have been crushed somehow, and she had far too many questions keeping her from being at peace. The cart rolled out of the forest along the road on the way to Rostos, where the Temple of Valkus was preparing to receive her. Two black stallions pulled the wooden cart as quickly as it could into the city. Her husband, Zukrek, was waiting for her and had already received the news that his son was killed, though both he and Tersht were unsure of the cause. The sun was setting in the west as the cart made its way into the city of continuous forges. Brick buildings lined the streets and smokestacks coated the skyline. The forges of the city burned bright with the blacksmiths all toiling away, creating some of the greatest pieces of equipment that Dunai would ever see. The cart continued with two black stallions pulling it into the center of the city where the Temple of Valkus resided. While this was not the Grand Temple, this temple was still the largest Falcus had on the continent of Urine. Large columns and statues of the Forge Master lined the stairs that went up into his temple, while the road was paved with the same bricks and stones that the buildings were made of. Once at the base of the stairs, Tersht turned and lowered herself off of the cart while her husband and several priests ran down the stairs from the temple. You made it, shouted Zukrek as she sprinted down the stairs. Where is he? Where is my son? he asked in a panic. Tersh placed her feet on the stone ground and turned back to the cart. She reached up and grabbed the sheet that was covering him. She pulled it off all the way down to his waist. Zukrek leaned forward and examined his body, doing all he could to fight off tears. The harpies didn't do this, he muttered at the side of his body. Tersh nodded solemnly. I think I know what happened, she said. I think he ultimately met his end from Drusilla Whisperly. I think her vines ensnared him and killed him. Tersh could not fight back the tears anymore. She cried out in agony with Zukrek at her side, unable to take his eyes off of his son. It's my fault, Zukrek. It's my fault that he's dead. Zukrek sighed and embraced his wife. It is not your fault that the followers of Talgis took him from our home. But it is my fault that I asked Drusilla whisperly to go into the woods after him. Tersh took in a breath of the cool, smoky air and cried out again. After the high priest sent you away, the next day I went and got her to investigate. 
I asked her to go find him, and I think she killed him. Zugrek sighed and continued to embrace his wife. Her words gave him pause and chilled him to his core. He was familiar with Drusilla Whisperleaf, but he had never interacted with her. She was the aloof gardener at the edge of Telerifel. He had no business with her, but now she had to answer for the death of his son. Get settled in, my love. I will be with you soon, stated Zukrek as he pulled away from his wife. He stared into her eyes with a serious and stern gaze. Drusilla Whisperleaf has to answer for what she did to our son. Terst gazed into her husband's determined eyes. How, though? She is God-touched. What could you do? Zukrek stepped away from his wife and shook his head. He shifted his gaze to the ground and took a deep breath with the priest at his side. I will get the attention of our God, Terst. I will get him to take action. Terst stood still and looked at her husband as he stepped away. But how? How will you get Valkus to take action against Drusilla? Zukrek smiled and kept walking, knowing he would get his revenge. Drusilla Whisperleaf would have to answer for her crimes, but first, Zukrek had to acquire the power to punish her, and it all began in the forge. We would like to thank everyone for listening to this podcast. More content will be coming out on a regular basis. For more on By Gods and Kings, please visit www.bygodsandkings.com or www.scriptcrypt.com.